we come to the end of 2023, for some, okay, it's the end of another year. For some, it's like at the end of another year. And you can think back to maybe some New Year's celebrations from days gone by. But as we come into this year, it's a time of transition. And for some, some reflect and consider the year. And some make New Year's resolutions. Now we could, there's probably percentages and surveys and activities out there to say, how many of you kept your New Year's resolution and how many things were beneficial and the types of New Year's resolutions and you probably will see those in your social media feeds or on the news or something. They gotta fill in those slots and there's all kinds of percentages and discussions around it. And as we reflect and we think of that part of it, we want our reflections to be under the care of the Holy Spirit ideally and have a good uh, and so those that have like a, a good memory it can be a little bit more of a, of, a, of a challenge to borrow a phrase uh, a good memory can be both a blessing and a curse if you've ever listened to Monk you might know that from, uh, from TV I know that if you are a person that's a little bit self-conscious, let's say, or maybe a lot self-conscious, you're that student that was in when you were in school that uh, when the class got in trouble, you felt like you got in trouble. I remember when I was in first grade, I was one of those students and it had to be explained to me that I was sitting in the class, the class did something wrong, and I went home just, just fretting. And the teacher had to explain to me, Mrs. Guy, I believe was her name, and it was explained to me, and maybe my mother let me know as well, is that when the class is getting in trouble, that's not necessarily you specifically, because I didn't want to do something wrong, but I didn't, hadn't done something wrong, so what is it that would... Why am I getting in trouble? And so I was all confused. Maybe that's you, and you're overly self-conscious, and you have a good memory, and so you remember all your mistakes. And you can reflect on all those people that might have thought you did something wrong, so you might be the type that you can remember that you did something wrong, and you can remember back to when you were in elementary school of things you did in the second grade that you shouldn't have done. And see if you can remember that, that's the curse part of a good memory. You can remember all those things. Or maybe, maybe you're the type that you worry about whatever people think. And so you remember and replay in your mind that encounter that you had at the family outing over and over again. And you might remember from last year or you might remember from the year before or it can be overwhelming, and, and Satan would love to bring up all our faults and all our shortcomings and get us discouraged in our faith. And so the good memory is kind of, it's a blessing. And as Monk would say, on, as I told you on the TV show, and a curse. 
And so for those of you that don't maybe have a good memory, it's kind of, it kind of can be a blessing as well, even though it's sometimes a pain. But we have to be careful. That's why we want our reflections to be guided by the Holy Spirit, because we might dwell on our own shortcomings too often. But then there is the other sort that maybe you have a tendency to hold a grudge. And if you have a tendency to hold a grudge and have a good memory, you can imagine what can happen with that. So you're going to remember things that have done way back. And your memory, sometimes our memory is good enough to remember the things that, that they did to us. We don't maybe remember the things that we did to them, depending on how your mind is working at the time. And we may not, if we're not careful, remember that it was resolved. And so then we harbor bitterness. So we know that's a bad thing. We're supposed to forgive. So we have to, we want our reflections to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, I will put in there that, that some maybe don't remember all those different aspects of it, but, and maybe you, you may not remember that somebody wronged you, but the next time they wronged you, you instantly remember because you just forgot about it. And you thought, you know, if I just let this go for a couple days, I'll forget about it and I'll move on. But you never really dealt with it, you just harbored it. And so it's off in the memory banks, and the next thing, time they do something, it comes right back to you, and now you stack them together, and now you've got the grudge, or you've got the response, because you never dealt with the first one, and it builds on the second one, so you try to forget again. But at some point, you might blow up at a time that you wish you didn't. And it needs to be dealt with. And so if there's unforgiveness, you need to get that taken care of. And, and sometimes we have to forgive ourselves because we ask God to forgive us, and he, he forgives us. And we have to give ourselves that same courtesy. We apply to ourselves a, a guilt that God's no longer applied. So we have to think about that when we, when we reflect we don't want to walk around frustrated or angry. For some, they get angry at themselves. It's, maybe you call it it's frustration and upset that you were short and that people around you may, that may know you that comes across as angry or especially people that don't, don't realize that you're not angry at them, you're angry at yourself. And so Satan uses those types of things. And then sometimes memories play play tricks and we don't remember what we would like but you know if we have unforgiven sin and unrepentant things in our life and unrepentant means we we haven't both asked God to forgive us and stop doing it the Bible tells us to repent and so may the Holy Spirit bring those things to memory Satan will bring back to memory those things that maybe we're forgiven of. And we'll come to God and we'll say, I'm we ask him for forgiveness, and it'll come up, and Satan will bring it up again, and we'll ask for forgiveness of it again. And there's an old song that says, What sins are you talking about? I don't remember those anymore. 
And I'm not sure if I, give, if I gave the scripture, but I'd like to turn to that in Psalms uh, 103, 11 through 12. And I apologize if I didn't give that scripture to our AV group. But I'd like to turn to Psalms 103, 11 and 12. to give him some extra time. Got it okay? All right. So, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. Don't you wish you maybe could forget your shortcomings like God has not held them to our account anymore? Satan would bring them up, but we just need to let the Holy Spirit. You may not forget them, but they don't need to be prominent in your memory. Allow the forgiveness of God to you and allow yourself to be forgiven. We need to ask the Lord to help us to forgive and set aside those memories. Of the things that we have done that maybe we shouldn't, but we also need to ask him to help us as we would forgive those that have offended us. Maybe hurt us. We don't want it to become, and maybe the Lord help us to forget it as well to set it aside, to not remind ourselves of it all the time. It's kind of like, you ever notice there was a time, I don't see it so much anymore, but there was a time that I would notice, you ever seen those that have their tat, it was like a tattoo, but it actually is a raised skin. There was a time period that I recall, as a young man, you'd have people and they would have in their arm, it would be a raised skin area. And what they would have done is would have scratched initials or, or their, their fraternity in it or whatever it might be. And then it, as it would scab, what would they do? They would pick the scab. And they keep doing that. And so it, the scar tissue then made the letters that they wanted it to be. And so it was a, a skin tattoo, as it were. Didn't have any ink in it they would keep irritating it until it built up. You know, some of our hurts, if we don't let them go, we keep scratching them, we keep bringing them up and reminding them of us, reminding it up, it never gets a chance to heal. Some people seem to do that with their grief as well. You know, Maybe at another time we'll talk about some of the concerns. Uh, the Bible in the Old Testament talks about issues having to do putting ink on your body to remember the, in, to deal with the dead. But see, we don't let things heal. And if we keep picking at that thing that, that, that thing that caused us or somebody hurt us, then it becomes bitterness. We need to ask the Lord to help us to forgive and help us to forget. 
as we reflect. May we have holy memories. So those that maybe tend to lead towards self-loathing or grudges, not having a good memory can be a blessing. But you also have to, as we said, get those things taken care of. Just because you forget it, and if you haven't dealt with it, it's not going away. We are not to have unforgiveness in our hearts. And so, let's not harbor unforgiveness. Now others, you may want something to change, or you feel that something should change as we go into the new year, but don't try to do it on your own. Maybe the thing you think you should focus on is not the thing that's top priority with God. And see, if we get focused on the wrong things, we might miss out on what God would have for us, and if we focused on the wrong thing, we might just be setting ourselves up for failure and just be discouraged and depressed, and the next thing you know, I can't do anything right. I never will lose that weight. Whatever you can fill in the blank with, because you make unattainable goals too high. It's good to have goals, but they don't have to be just around New Year's. They should be under the blood of Jesus and guided by him. So as you look back and also maybe as you look forward or maybe both, where would you place on the spiritual spectrum your relationship with God? You ever take a survey and you take the survey and it says uh, more likely, less likely, definitely, not sure. For some, those surveys are just painful. Because you're like, well, I, 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 I can't say I always like it, but I almost always. Now, is that a somewhat likely or a most likely? Or is that a... And it, it drives you nuts because you'd like to put it in between something. And then other times it's like, do you like it, not like it, or unsure? You're like, well, I kind of like it, so I can't say I completely like it. And see, you can get yourself in a tizzy. So I don't want you to do that. But this is kind of like a personal reflection and a thinking forward. And it's not about getting a, a number, but let the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, on this spectrum of all to Jesus. Remember that song? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Are you a, or have you been, and will you be? All to Jesus? Or maybe you're just enough Jesus. So are you all to Jesus? 2023, or just enough Jesus? Or were you anything but Jesus? 
And in 2024, are you going to be all to Jesus? Just enough Jesus. Or anything but Jesus. Let's just unpack that a little bit. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. So, for each of these, we'll look at a couple passages of Scripture. Nothing lengthy. Some of these I've preached whole sermons or maybe more than a sermon on. But we're going to start with Romans 12, 2. And we just want to remind you. Maybe open up the thought. We're going to read first Romans 12, 1 and 2. And this has to do with all to Jesus. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We won't expound on that too much more than, as you can see there, present, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means I give it all to Jesus. All to Jesus. Now, for a little more context on that, we look at the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23. And you might find a similar passages in some of the Synoptic Gospels. But we're going to look at Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, Jesus, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, some of your transformations, you might say, well, that daily is not there. Don't get stuck on that. The point was, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Paul tells us later that he dies out daily. In one of the Pauline epistles. Deny himself. So that would mean, think about it again, surrender. Surrender. So as you reflect, did you live a surrendered life that was under God's control in 2023? Do you aspire? And if you didn't, do you aspire to that? In 2024, Maybe just enough Jesus. Maybe that's where you're at, is maybe closer around. You know, maybe you feel you're somewhere in between, but let's look at just enough Jesus. And so if we go to Revelations 3, 14 to 22, Revelations 3, 14 to 22, In some ways, this is self-explanatory. Again, this is another passage that's familiar. You may 
be familiar with. You may have heard me preach a time or two or referenced it. But in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that ye are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich. And white garments that you may be clothed. The shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. Many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous. Repent. Hold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. And he with me. To him over comes, I will grant to him, sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Just enough Jesus to get by. I don't really need anything because I'm rich. I'm wealthy. God says, because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you. Wow. Does that mean that I should ask you this question? Were you God's vomit in 2023? Or maybe he hasn't vomited you yet, but 2023? Just enough Jesus? Just enough Jesus? Would that make you lukewarm? Now, I don't know at what point you become lukewarm as a Christian. I don't know that part, but so I have to trust the Holy Spirit to inform. And you should trust the Holy Spirit to inform you, have I become lukewarm? Did I have a lukewarm 2023? Do you desire a lukewarm, just enough Jesus? In 2024? I mean, do you have just enough Jesus to say, hey, for the public to see, I, I mean, I'm part of the club. You know, I'll go deeper with God one day, but I have some things I need to take care of. But I got enough. I got enough. I mean, I got enough to get by. I just, you know, I got enough to put, I attend. 
or I'm a member of, and that I could put that on the, the social involvement part of my resume, you know, or on my my social thing that I like the church or something like that. Or I got enough to say in my obit, in my obituary. I attended the Marysville Three Street Church. See, I got enough. Fortunately, what you post isn't enough. It's what the evaluator of whether you are vomit. It's kind of gross. Kind of gets your attention, though, doesn't it? And you did hear me say that. And I read it. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you. Just enough, Jesus. Just enough. So, as you reflect, all to Jesus. Or, just enough, Jesus. My goal for 2024 is to be adequate in my relationship with Jesus. But I don't know what if your evaluation of what adequate is meets with God's evaluation of what adequate is. Or maybe you're in the third category. Anything but Jesus. And we see... A trend, I think. Along those lines, maybe you've been rejecting Jesus and pushing him off. Maybe, like a prodigal son, society from time to time, I think, goes through some ebbs and flows, and there seems to be a heavy... I can't say unprecedented, I'm not going to clarify to the degree, but this generational division, it's only kind of there, you know. But it's a little bit heavy, but seems heavy nowadays, but it's anything, anything that looks like my parents, anything that looks like my grandparents. Or anything that looks like that generation. That's got to be wrong. I'm rejecting that. It's uh, wanting to prove in some ways. And I don't know, sometimes it can be that I'm wanting to prove that I've, I know more. Sometimes it can be you had horrible parents. So you got to change, and you got to do that generational change, and they weren't following God, and you need to follow God. Okay. But others are kind of like the prodigal son that it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be independent. Um, and it's to the degree that for some that if it means that it's going to agree with my parents, then I can't do it. I have to do something different. Maybe you, you struggle with the 
some of the different concepts, but it's kind of like, you know, if you travel to a different part of the country and you go to a restaurant and you find some food and it's really, really good, really good. And you come home and you tell everybody about it. And lo and behold, your parents had ate there too. You, never, you didn't know they had ever been there. Maybe they went there before you were born. They're like, yeah, I really like that too. It's so great. And there's this thing that wells up inside of you that says, oh, now I don't like it. And maybe that's not you. Maybe it's somebody that will listen to this later. But it's almost like I found this great steak, and it tasted fantastic, but, oh, my parents like steak, so I guess I can't like that. Can you see some of that happening in places? It's like anything that seems to reflect my parents, I've got to reject it because I need to be independent. I don't completely understand the logic there because you found and liked it before they, you knew that they liked it. So you independently found something good. And the fact that you reject it because they like it too says more about you than it does about them. But it can also be the case that if you find that you like something or that it's beneficial that your parents also like doesn't mean that you're less independent. You independently have the opportunity to make a good choice. You have an independent to make a better choice than your parents, sure. But just because they made a good choice doesn't mean you have to make a different one. See, some that grow up in the church even, they want to show their independence so bad. Kind of like Adam and Eve, right? To be like God. You know, from right from wrong. I want the independence so bad that I need to make a choice independent. Well, you're making a choice independent of them. You can make an independent choice. You have to make an independent choice for or against God. They can't make it for you anyhow. But some want to reject it because maybe, I don't know what's in their mind, because their parents. And some might reject it because someone that claimed Christianity, could be their parents, didn't reflect Christianity. They might have been just enough Jesus. They could say, I attended and put on the resume, but they were not real spiritual once they got home and the children saw the two sides. Just because your parents weren't good Christians doesn't, that's not God's fault. Don't regret, regret, reject Christ because of it. If you don't want to follow them, and then why follow the crowd? Because if you want to be independent, then shouldn't you just be independent of everyone? 
you can't like food just because your parents do? Does it mean you can't like food because other people do? Does that make you less independent? If it makes you independent that you don't like steak because your parents do, but you like this other food, but you go to a restaurant that serves it, how are you independent then with that logic? Because they're all eating the same food you are. We think about a passage of scripture and Paul's trying to convince some people of their need of God. And unfortunately, there's some that get into this boat. And it's in Acts chapter 24. There's two individuals that Paul's talking to. They're in people of power. Now, when I speak of power, I don't mean this is not heavenly power, but earthly power. In Acts 24, 22 to 25. Acts 24, 22 to 25. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, that's referring to the Christian movement of the time. He adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I'll make a decision on your case. Talking to Paul. So commanding the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. Verse 24, and after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard how concerning, heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a, have a convenient time, I will call for you. Maybe that's where you're at. It's like, all right, this sounds right, but I don't want to deal with this right now. Come back another time, God. Let me go make my mistakes like the prodigal son. Ended up feeding the pigs. Just run clean. Ceremonially unclean. And would even eat what they were eating. He was so bad off. No, I want to go make my own mistakes. I don't want to learn from anybody else. I don't want any of that. And I certainly don't want to take on Christ. See, you come to that point. And maybe this point, you're at that point and you're shook. And you've, you've got the stamp of approval as well. Everybody else thinks. But inside, you know it's not right. And almost. And maybe if I just wait till the preacher gets done, I can get out of here and not have to deal with it. Paul says, go away. Not Paul, but Felix, go away. He was afraid. When I have a convenient time, I will call you. But then we go over to Acts 26, 24 to 29.
Now as this made, now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. Paul turns to King Agrippa. You believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Almost, you persuade. Almost. Certainly, if the lukewarm are vomit, walking outside of God is not a better place. All to Jesus. What was your 2023? All to Jesus? Just enough Jesus? Or anything but Jesus? What is your 2024 going to be? All to Jesus? Just enough Jesus? Or anything but Jesus? My hope for you is that it's all to Jesus. These other things, a lot of the time, relate to, I want this, I don't need this. I am so independent that I want to be independent of God. May I tell you, I would not want to be alone without the blood of Jesus applied in judgment. And it's coming. Let us be standing together. Father God, I pray that you would send your sweet Holy Spirit to those that are listening. Wake them up. They reflect. On 2023, and as they look to 2024, may you send us your Holy Spirit. May we have holy memory. Right memory. If there's unforgiveness and unrepentant heart, may we forgive those that have offended. May we ask you for forgiveness for the things that we've caused offense. And may we repent and change. Help us not to be so independent that we don't need your help. We have our own plans, our own agenda. I'll get to you in time. Maybe we're just rejecting anything that resembles anybody else. We've got to be independent. Stubbornly so. 
technologically certain that if anybody that's not of us, anybody that's not our age likes it, we can't. Help us see the love of God and our need of you. That your Holy Spirit would stir. And if someone here, or someone online, needs a deeper walk, first, that if they're not saved, they would say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I want to follow you. Help me to follow you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me, that they would pray that prayer. And if, Lord, if they're lukewarm and they're not completely surrendered, they'll say, all to Jesus, I surrender. Here you are, God. I give my life to you. I consecrate. I dedicate my life to you that you might come and sanctify and set apart. You might come and cleanse. Father, for those that are living all to Jesus, keep them strong. Keep them moving on. Help them go deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus so they can exemplify that true love. And Lord, though they go through trials and challenges, may they ever look to you rejoicing in the fact that their sins are forgiven, their hearts given completely to you, and they're enjoying the joy of fellowship walking with you. In the uptimes and in the downtimes, but they know they have a heavenly home. Oh, may they rejoice as they look forward. Father, be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please.